2: Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Rev. Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. than one, and now our true work begins. Welcome to the Elysium Project. In the Olympian tradition, Elysium is the highest heaven the human mind can conceive. Join Hercules on his latest and greatest quest, making the life we live and the earth we share a paradise for all. And welcome to the Elysium Project I am Hercules Invictus And uh, this segment is an Age of Heroes segment And we'll be focusing on the path of public service I am greatly honored to announce our guest Chauncey I. Brown III uh, Who's also host here on Blog Talk Radio Greetings and welcome, Chauncey
3: Thank you very much, Hercules I'm very humbled uh, to be on your show again Um, and to talk about uh, politics and leadership um, and governance uh, in Patterson and and New Jersey and around the country.
2: Um, Thank you very much. And uh, you are one of the souls who respond uh, to the call of uh, humanity uh, as we face the many challenges that uh, lie before us. And uh, despite all the obstacles that you've had to overcome, you're dedicated to public service and in meeting those challenges and solving those problems.
3: Uh, I think it's critical, um, and thank you, um, to solve uh, the many problems that we have today. And it's uh, appropriate um, because it's about one of the topics about governance Governance is the foundation of government. If you cannot understand how to govern, you cannot understand how to lead. So our topic right. today if I recall is leadership, politics and, and, and governance and yes. what role and what role do they all play? How do they intersect? How do they interact how do they become effective, and what makes them ineffective? I think that's what we're going to pretty much try to dissect and get into today, um, unless you have specific questions you wanna you wanna ask me.
2: Um, well, this is a a, a conversation, and uh, okay. I would be very much interested in in hearing your thoughts because. Uh, uh, politics is very important in winning election, which is how we choose our, our, our leaders uh, in this country and then hope that they govern uh, for the benefit of uh, their constituents. Um, and now, because of the challenges that uh, we're, we're facing as a nation um, in our governance and uh, leadership and in politics, Um, A lot of different things that were not in focus before are coming into focus, and hopefully they'll be addressed because there's so much in in the public's eye.
3: I I agree with you wholeheartedly. One of the challenges today is that politics supersedes how we legislate and how we govern. So when we engage in politics, we're telling people what they want to hear, but we don't know if the foundation of substance is there prior to. Then we put them in leadership positions and find out that they cannot govern or legislate. Um, The public has to start getting involved um, with having policy initiatives set forth to hand to candidates to find out how they would address those issues versus the talking points, the politics, the feel-good speeches to move their agenda just to get elected. That is probably one of the biggest challenges today in politics, Um, and that's why I believe that we have weak leadership and poor governance, because there's no accountability really prior to us electing these individuals as a result of them playing politics. Um, Am I on the right path with you so far?
2: Oh, most certainly so. And uh, there's also less of a chance of getting uh, um, politicians to give each other uh, time to speak. I know uh, uh, several local elections uh, that the side that uh, seemed most likely to win did not want to engage uh, the other side in in debate. And I think that's Mm -hmm. horrible because... Uh, we should be able to debate. We don't have to agree. We're not always going to agree, but at least we should understand uh, where we stand and why we see things the way we see them and what's motivating us uh, to act. So I believe that uh, open debate is very important. And as you suggest, um, I believe that uh, uh, we should have debate that's based on actual uh, issues, not, as you said, um, uh, feel-good talking points uh, uh, that will appeal to voters. Our
3: so-called leaders today, I call them reactionary leaders. They react to the public's will versus trying to embrace the public's will in what they really need to grow as a society, a community. As a result of reactionary politics and reactionary leadership, that leads itself into crisis management or mismanagement. And those are some of the challenges that we face. Um, I served in uh, an elected position uh, for six years, and uh, one of my pet peeves was, was board governance. Uh,
4: mm-hmm.
3: As a policymaker, as a legislator, you have to understand your role as a policymaker to improve the quality of life for all. Uh, I want to give you a great example on what's transpiring in Patterson that politics was played where people got elected, but they failed on the legislative side, which is really the most important thing of why people elected in Patterson to Patterson City Council. It's very unfortunate that on January 7th of 2019, a young man went to the Patterson Police Station and asked for help. Subsequently, he was dead two days later at the hands Hmm. of being in the Patterson Police. Now, going on over 154 days, the city council, and the mayor has been quiet on their positions to the calls from the community to call for answers. Now, what's interesting is, and I just uh, talked about it, and I do a local blog talk radio show for Patterson recently, I talked about how the city council failed to investigate the death of this person. What I did was is, is, you know, I cited... State statute that the powers that they have within their legislative body to investigate, to call department heads in, to ask for reports, to ask about what transpired, they were silent on that issue. Um, They kept passing the buck to, well, the mayor's in charge of everything. That's not leadership. Leadership is not saying that somebody else is responsible for a job that you're supposed to be doing. And like I said early, as a policymaker, as a legislator, we're supposed to improve the quality of life through laws, through policies. Now, if a person dies at the hands of your employees, police, and fire, the legislative body has a responsibility, a fiduciary responsibility, to ask for an investigation, to call for answers, what happened to protect the community from this happening again. They failed to do that. When I first got elected, leadership is not a position. My mother gave me a plaque. Leadership is not a position. <laughs> leadership is action. Yes. And when you take <laughs> action or you take non-action, that's not leadership. When you pivot, that's not leadership. you got to take the excuse of terminology, the bull by the horns, and lead when it is difficult. You, you can't lead when times are comfortable. Right. Leadership, being in a position of leadership, is not easy if you really want to lead. Uh, the, the politics, telling people what they want to hear, is not leading. That's playing politics. And I'm glad that you picked these two topics because leadership, politics, and governance are very important. And people have a misconception of what leadership is. Leadership. Automa- people think automatically that leadership is a position. That's wrong. Uh, automatically, when people think about politics, they think that's governance and leadership. Politics is not. Politics is to scheme to gain for an advantage for a purpose, for a benefit, hopefully, for your constituents. But as we know in politics, for the most part, it only benefits the individual politicians or political campaign groups or whatever because that is the politics that they're playing for that power play advantage versus serving the will of the people. That's why the conditions in our country in most urban centers throughout the country look the way they do because they play politics instead of governing to enhance our communities for the people's will. And that's the sad part. So how do we change the dynamics, one, it shows like yours raising the level of consciousness, separating politics, leadership, and governance, which are very three key parts. What are the differences? Governance is understanding what laws, okay, have to be implemented in order to protect society or enhance their way of life. If you don't have that basic understanding of governance, of legislation and policy. Forget about politics and leadership because you're just going to be on a hamster wheel, spinning your wheels, and you're going to play politics and you're going to play like you're a leader, but you're not going to get anything done. Right. And um, that is what we're I'm sorry, please, please jump in.
2: No, no, go ahead. You're 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 doing fantastic. You're bringing up lots of lots of points. I'll I'll ask my questions later.
3: <laughs> um
2: so uh,
3: no, you can ask the question now, because then I'll get ready to show a good example is Congress, how it's been stonewalled by character assassination of the president versus trying to really implement infrastructure policies, immigration policies. The, the, the Congress is a great example of playing politics over serving the public's will to advance their better way of life. That's a great example right now is Congress. And that's uh, the and- sad part.
2: Mm-hmm. And that is a conversation we're going to be having um, more on subsequent uh, shows because uh, we're very polarized uh, in that particular area, and the polarization has – basically weakened uh, public uh, discourse where uh, yes, people can has. agree to disagree and think about what the greater good is and how can we, based on where we're standing and what we're seeing, work with others to make a, a decision that's going to benefit uh, all. Um, and uh, it, it is very sad that we're in a position like this today, and that was one of my motivators for uh Uh, doing the political show to, you know, if if people can't talk to each other on television in a civil way, if they can't talk to each other in public in a civil way, uh, let's create forums where people can, you know? Um,
3: And and it's sad. I mean, just like I had posted something today on Facebook
2: uh uh, 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 uh,
3: uh, uh, about how um, the democratic policies have at first Adversely affect the people that they purported To help in urban communities Of blacks and Hispanics And then somebody got on my feed And, and, uh, and referred to me as Uncle Tom And I basically said Listen, if we want to have civil discourse This is the problem Character assassination Is not going to advance the conversation Okay If you no, want to talk not. about If you want to talk about data uh, Based on facts to move the agenda Have the conversation I'm all for it Uh, But that's the problem today with the news media and with people. They're driven by feelings and emotions rather than a rational thought process based on facts and data. And that uh, makes politics today extremely perplexed to me because the foundation of it, like you said, of the governance is the foundation of it. It doesn't exist. It's the politics and the so-called leadership or that perception of Uh, that people gravitate to versus understanding the foundation of governance is what really moves the country forward and if their policies are aligned um, with ours. So, um, you know, we have
2: to. A hundred percent that our government should be focused on uh, uh, taking care of its people rather than... uh, um, attacking each other and uh, and uh, not working on things, like you said, uh, infrastructure. They're phenomenally important uh, in our country. Uh, and it's with your eyes you can see that things need to be addressed and they're not being uh, addressed. Um, yeah. And how we can do that without understanding each other or without listening to each other I, is beyond me. Well,
3: I think, you know, like I said earlier, it's about Politics, power, it's about power, money, and control. You take away the people's will when you engage in politics and leave them out of the conversation. And that's the sad part. It's not only a part of the national landscape. It's a part of the local and state landscape. Yes. You know, we are around the same age, not to tell everybody how old we are. <laughs> but, you know, when we were younger, we I looked at, like I'm sure you, I looked at politicians as Statesmen. Me too. Okay. I looked at, at at newscasters like God's because they reported the facts. They weren't, a, they, yes, weren't they weren't giving us their opinions. You know? So the the, the the environment has changed dramatically where politics in general has become uh character driven versus substance driven. Uh, And and, and that becomes a challenge, because now, instead of us educating America and educating our people really on the issues, the people are reactionary responding to the character assassinations of politicians talking about each other, like you said, rather than having a civil discourse and a conversation about how we could move these policy agendas forward, would advance the people's will.
2: Oh, correct. And uh, you brought up an excellent a- example. A, uh, a young man went into a police station seeking help, uh, yes. and two days later he died. That's, that's, that is something that raises a big uh, question mark uh, in terms of what happened. So uh, politics aside, in terms of governance, uh, if your job is to take care of your citizenry and to make sure your citizenry uh, is uh, protected, uh, then, yeah, you have to ask the question, why isn't there an investigation?
3: Yes, and yes. I mean, like I said, it's 150, 156 days later, and now it's turned into the governor was kind enough to answer um, a, a, a city resident at a town hall meeting, letting us know that there is a criminal investigation underway. But as many times as the family and the community went down to the city council to ask for answers, They sat there and didn't say anything. Shame on you. You are representing the will of the people. The will of the people have asked you questions, and you took no action to try to give them any answers. And, you you know, you provide, a legislative body provides and has investigative powers, oversight. They didn't do any of that. And that is where they failed in their fiduciary responsibilities, and that's where politics they're playing politics and they're not governing. Those aren't leaders to me. Okay? Um, and that is the sad part. People today have a misconception of what a leader is. And if I could remember the quote from Martin Luther King, uh, I'm going to try to paraphrase it. Um, okay. A, a leader. Is, uh, you determine a leader Not where he stands In times of comfort and convenience But in times Of controversy and challenges I'm paraphrasing it That's where you can see who a leader is Anybody can say anything But how does that individual act When there's a crisis um, That's and,
2: very true Because that's, your, that's a test of your, uh, your character That's a test of your soul uh, That's a test of who you really are
3: uh, yes. And, you know, it's sad when, you know, we have a loss of a life like in Patterson, and the legislative body have not tried to put in, have not not only investigate, they have not even tried to put in any mechanisms in place so it wouldn't happen again. And that is the most interesting part. Allegedly, uh, you know, this person went to the Patterson Police Department for help, was transported by the ambulance Two days later he's dead um, You know I had wrote uh, To the state legislature uh, And and said listen you, you need to put cameras in the back of all of ambulances Okay So then we can monitor The safety of the patient um, Which uh, you know uh, They didn't respond uh, But I think it's critical if, if cameras can be on police cars Cameras should be on ambulances and in the rear of the ambulance is to protect the patient and to protect the EMTs or the police. Like they have to body cameras. Up. Yes. So exactly to protect everybody. Um, but and if something,
2: this way if something yes. happens during that time of crisis, uh, the tape can be referred to. Uh, yes,
3: exactly. Um, because right now, uh, you know, things are up in the air. Uh, the county has not released the autopsy report uh because it's in conflict i believe with the independent autopsy report so um now they're playing politics uh you know but um leadership is um it's in you know like i said today leadership is not what it should be and um i think that there's very few leaders in the world i mean people have titles um but not many people are leading uh like i said most politicians today i call it reactionary politics they're reacting uh every time the uh, the people hiccup they're moving to the right to the left um there's candidates running for office for 2020 they've changed their positions they had over 15 years to try to accommodate the public will um So, you know, leadership is actually standing alone. Um,
2: A lot of times,
3: yes. Yeah, and standing up for what is right, not even when it's popular. Um, You know, um, and and, and that's where I think people uh, get confused on what leadership is today. Um, And I'm glad that we're having this conversation um, to raise a level of consciousness.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, um, there are uh, different degrees of leadership and leadership means different things uh, to different uh, people here. I'm I'm kind of fortunate uh, living where I'm living uh, because uh, the mayor and the council meetings are open to everybody. Uh, they're televised uh, yeah. so that you can watch them on TV uh, within a very short uh, period of uh, time. And uh, in each meeting, they read whatever correspondence they've uh, received, positive or negative, uh, and they try to address it. And they let people know when they'll be reading it so that people can come and uh, comment on the, uh, the letters that they uh, put through. And then uh, they let you know what they're doing in, in terms of their accountability. So today, for instance, I went to the uh, Jewish uh, Community Center uh, on the Palisades. Uh, which serves our community, especially the older people in our community. And uh, Valerie Huddle, who's our assemblywoman, and Peter Rustin, who's our mayor, uh, had taken actions uh, to uh, declare um, this June um, Brain Health Awareness Month. Um, And uh, Valerie Huddle also told us about legislation that was signed um, that would protect uh, people um, in our district and in the state from uh, the, a lot of the problems that came up when you were a caregiver to somebody who's elderly. So there was a, there was there were questions and there was a stated need in the community because we're getting more and more older people uh, in our uh, population. Uh, so they have certain concerns and they've kept us up to date on what they're trying to do and what they've done with these uh, specific uh, concerns. So it's all very, Focused and it's all very concrete. Uh, there's which roads are being paved, which roads haven't been paved, uh, what to do about the uh, problem with lights or, or whatever. So a, a lot of the local politics deals with these uh, type of local uh, issues, and it's all you know accountability. And not that everybody will agree with uh, how they resolve the problem, but, but nobody can doubt that they addressed you know they they addressed the problem, and each step well of the fed. way welcome the feedback. So I'm comforted by this, even though I don't agree with uh, some of the politicians in terms of the stances they're taking or, you know, what they're the beliefs that, that are motivating them. But I can't uh, argue with their sincerity uh, from where they're standing and how they see things. They are genuinely trying to do what's best uh, for their constituents. So I'm kind of spoiled by, by being here now and I'm getting to see that.
3: And you know what, that is a a, a a great point, and that is a good example of agreeing to disagree, civil discourse, and having the conversation to move the agenda forward on behalf of your community. That's called what you said, in one word, accountability. Yes. Accountability is leadership. That's it right there. Accountability is leadership. When you're accountable for your actions, and to the people in your community, that's leadership. When you start ducking, dodging, pivoting away and hiding from issues, that's not a leader. No. That's not a leader.
2: And how can we bring that forward? Uh, I've been trying in my own way. You've been trying in your own way. A lot of uh, people who uh, mm-hmm. want to see accountability become more a part of uh, the political uh, and leadership process are doing w- what they can do. Uh, I've started um, asking people to look up a politician's voting record rather than mm-hmm. listening to their words, <laughs> because you can see from the voting record what they're actually going to do or what they've done in the past uh, rather than what they're telling you when they're addressing the issue in the moment. Can that you recommend is, some is. things that we could do uh, to further increase people's awareness and and get them to uh, make uh, our leaders more accountable?
3: Yes. Well, yes. well I, I I would like to uh, back up and get to the point that before they get elected or when they're running for reelection, I think the people, as people, we need uh, to understand exactly. We need to give them the agenda, not let them give us the agenda. We need to craft the agenda. We need to say, who supports this agenda? We should not allow these politicians to come with their various talking points. We should give them the agenda and say, listen, if you're going to follow this agenda, then we will support you. Normally it goes the opposite way. The politicians today say, listen, I want to give you this. I want to do that. I'm going to do this. They make promises. Right. And like you said, there's only the only check and balance is if they're already elected, we could look at their record. But if they've never been elected, then we have to say, wait a minute. We shouldn't be listening to them. We should be telling them what we want. That's the difference. Point. You know, and we as a community, and I wanna say I'm at fault too, if we're not demanding what we want from them then we're just as responsible when they don't do anything when they get elected because we should have asked before they got into office. So I think that what we need to do is, is really form community organizations and have people in the community demand what they want from their politicians or local leaders versus letting them tell them what they want to give them and what they think they should have. So – The the citizens need to try to become More involved and more engaged Difficult in these times And I understand Parents, single parents, two parents Working two or three jobs Everyone doesn't have the ability To pay attention to politics Like you and I I mean I sleep, eat, and breathe it um, But because I was born that way And I understand Uh those various dynamics But you know um, Civil service And uh, uh, in public duty, we all have a right and a responsibility to participate in, um, in good governance, in politics, in community service to better our community. We all have a responsibility. And I think that we need to work on having the conversation, like we're just talking about now, prior to the elections with people. And we, the people, have to start having the conversation what do we want? Let's stop talking about what the politicians want to give us. What do we want as a community, as people? And, and, and when we decide what we want as a community of people, we put our platform out there and see what legislator, what policymaker subscribes to what we want. I think that would be the beginning of the change, if we could start working on that.
2: That is an awesome thing. And uh, uh, this way you, you try to find the most qualified candidate, um, you know, rather than uh, the, the guessing game that we currently have, which is like a popularity contest uh, in essence. Exactly. Or process.
3: Exactly, Hercules. You know, and like I said, I've learned that from, you know, being in public office outside and inside that we as the community – we have to be proactive. We cannot be reactive like politicians are, because then it's it's you're doing the same thing. The people are reactive. Politicians are reactive. And then we have uh, we have I call it uh, uh, crisis management rather than plan management or effective management or growth management, which I call it or long-term planning management. See. Today, and even like Patterson, and like most cities across the country, there is no vision. Patterson's the first industrial city in the nation. Where is the plan, the 25-year plan, the 50-year plan, the 75-year plan for this great industrial city in Patterson? There is none. This city, like most cities, will not survive if you keep operating in crisis mode we have to have a bigger plan than our next budget because our next budgets will determine our future. If we're still operating in the red, how can we meet the future? I'm surprised that there's
2: no plan. I, I lived in Northwestern, uh, New Jersey, which was mostly woods. Uh, and they seem to have a, a plan that's decades in terms of what roads are going to be where and, where they're going to put up shopping centers. And, and of course, you can't anticipate uh, everything or even a lot of things, uh, but they seem to have a plan in place. And uh, uh, people that I talked to about the changes that they've seen in their lifetimes have all brought up the fact that uh, uh, they were talking about this years ago and that it pretty much unfolded on schedule.
3: Yeah, I mean, nobody is talking about the long-term plan. For our wow. and our state, even look at our state government. Where's the long-term planning? Where do we want New Jersey to be 25 years from now? That's when I grew up. That's what I used to hear. Like Patterson, uh, there was a mayor in the 70s named Pat uh, Lawrence Pat Kramer. In the in the 70s, he had the vision and his wife of the Great Falls Historical District. That was 30, 40 years ago. Now today it's a national land park and a pivotal point of tourist history for Patterson. He had that plan back in the 70s. That was the last major plan for good development in Patterson. I'm not talking about a Home Depot popping up over here or a Lowe's popping up over here. I'm talking about a massive project. Of, and I don't know if you ever had an opportunity to come visit the, historic, uh, the Great Falls Historical District, which was founded by Alexander Hamilton Patterson, the Society of Useful Manufacturers. Patterson was the first industrial city in the nation, and I don't know if any people know that. And that was the vision uh, that long ago. We don't have politicians with those types of visions anymore with 50 and 100 years from now. And, like I said, it's based on crisis management, and that's not leadership. No. That's, I call that reactionary management, and that's why cities like Patterson, Passaic, Camden, Trenton look the way they do because they are reacting to the problems, and they're not looking to solve the problems long term. Uh, you can't keep putting a Band-Aid on a wound that requires stitches. If it's cancer, cut the limb off and start over. And these are the type of things that need to be done, and the hard decisions need to be made. But people are thinking about their political career versus doing what's right for the benefit of the people, and that's the sad part today.
2: That is sad, and I like your suggestion, so how about we work on that? Uh, That sounds like an excellent plan to come up with uh, uh, universally as uh, human beings living in this country, what type of country do we want to live in? And uh, start uh, defining that. Uh, And uh, with other people coming on board, uh, maybe we can develop that uh, platform. Maybe we can develop that uh, vision um, and uh, share it and get people on board and help make it happen.
3: I would be honored to work on this with you, Hercules. I think it's awesome. imperative, it's important, and I think and I'm proud and happy that uh, you know you want to make the commitment with me, uh, because that's what it's going to take. Um, committed people like you and I, and we get we pick up a person each time, and until our message gets out, we have hope, and a lot of people do not have hope. As long as we keep hope alive and we keep helping build the community and expose the status quo, there might be a chance that we can save this country.
2: We can certainly try our best and give it our all and uh, um, inspire others uh, so that uh, in time the vision will be very clear. Um, Many of the beliefs that I grew up with uh, about what we're all about have been – demolished over the years, as I look at the world and its actions. Um, And I do believe that we are capable of creating a better world for ourselves. And uh, we've spoken about spirituality in previous uh, conversations. I know that uh, for us and for many people, uh this isn't only a uh um you know a, a physical level type of thing but also it's part of spirituality to help make the world a better place in fact my interactions with you and with the JCC have made me uh try to brush off my knowledge of uh, Judaism and i ran across Tikkun olam which i might be pronouncing wrong but it's a spiritual discipline of repairing the world and that's p- part of why we're here and i really like that concept you
3: know I- You said it, and and I'm glad that we're pivoting the conversation to spiritual Because it made me think about the morality in this country It doesn't matter what your religious beliefs are But we need a spirituality to our humanistic side of compassion And what politicians today try to do, and I call it You cannot legislate morality Right So my question to myself is, is how do we become a more moral society again? As we combat mass media and all this other stuff, and I think that the best way we could do it is what you said earlier, Chauncey, let's start right here. Let's start building it here and start raising the level of consciousness. And we have a responsibility to do this once we know what is right and what is good for others, not us, but for what's good for humanity, we have a responsibility to pay it forward, to share this information, to raise the level of consciousness, to help people change their thinking, to help others. And I'm, I'm so happy and blessed to be able to be here and to begin this conversation with you, and I'm really looking forward to the journey of future conversations that we can have to help build up our nation because it is so critical at this time that we all come together for the common good, for what is best for our humanity and not politics, because politics right now is killing us. It's self-serving only the people that participate in it, and it's not helping the masses of people. We're losing leadership, and we're we're losing good governance to politics. And and we need to reverse that tide if we're going to save the country and save our community and save our morale as
2: people. Very powerfully and well said. And I looked at the clock. Our voyage for tonight is uh, nearing its close. Um, How can people get in contact with you, and how can they access uh, your radio show? Um, And uh, I'm looking forward, of course, to having you on again, so we'll work that out uh, after the show.
3: Once again, I I want to thank you very much for this opportunity to be on the show and to talk about an awesome conversation that people need to hear where we can help change the course of history and the dynamics in our country. Um, If you want to reach me, the best way to reach me is at Facebook, Chauncey Brown III at C H A U N C E Y I B R O W N. 3RD, Uh, that's my main um, Facebook page, and uh, from there uh, you can find uh, everything else about me if you want to reach out to me. Once again, I want to thank you, Hercules, for this opportunity, and I want to thank all our listeners and the American people for joining us in trying to move this
2: country forward. I'm looking forward to that adventure as well. We have a couple more minutes. Is there any last uh, piece of uh, um, advice Um, or information you would like to share with our audience as we move forward in this new direction?
3: Is that please please? don't give up hope and keep faith. As long as we have hope and faith, we
2: have a chance
3: to change the tide.
2: Thank you once again, Chauncey. It is awesome having you on and uh, I'm looking forward to our next uh, conversation and all subsequent conversations. I have a very strong feeling that uh, uh, something great will come of this. So thank you uh, for thank being you. here uh, speaking with me.
3: Hercules, thank you very much. And I want to say God bless you, God bless your family, and God bless America. Have a good night.
2: Good night, Chauncey. Uh We're going to listen to Brand Kirdorian's King of Dreams, and then we'll be back with Astrid and the Sussex Report.
4: through my
2: Greetings and welcome back to the Elysium Project. I am Hercules Invictus, and tonight we're focusing on the path of public service. I am greatly honored to welcome our host, Astrid, uh, for the Sussex Report, and I'm really looking forward to hearing all the good things that she's managed to find and then getting an update on plastics and our environment. Greetings, Astrid. Welcome. Greetings, Hercules. I am sorry beautiful weather, there. I'm just so excited. the rain
1: is subsiding, but we will get more tomorrow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's subsiding. Let's look at the positives.
1: That is a good <laughs> thing, and I try to find the positive, so I say when it does rain, the pollen count is held down. so therefore, you know I, my coughing um, hysteria that that uh, uh, was evident on our last broadcast or podcast is not with us tonight.
2: Yes, I, I too, uh, d- didn't think about it as much, I guess, because the pollen's uh, down and I didn't even get uh, cough drops to get me through tonight, uh, so uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we're not going to have our coffee fits today. Exactly.
1: And uh, tonight I'd like to concentrate on a particular group that I find just so amazing, and um, I, you had the wonderful experience of attending one of their events this past weekend, and I'm referring to the Karen Ann Quinlan Hospice. Uh, yes, they had yes, a beautiful yes. butterfly release this past weekend.
2: They did. And thank you for uh, letting me know about that and for uh, in, involving me and including me in that. It was a beautiful ceremony, um, very symbolic, very touching. And uh, um, it brought us more butterflies. How, how can you beat that?
1: Monarch butterflies, which have been, you know, devastated by, here we go, let's get into this environmental issue, by the uh, Bayer-Monsanto product roundup, glyphosate, which has diminished the monarch butterfly uh, population tremendously. And uh, this is a nice way of increasing the foundation. The the money that goes towards um, taking care of hospice cases and other events and increasing the butterfly population, and doing something nice in a spiritual way for people that have passed on.
2: Yes, I I, I like the ceremony so much that I've decided to make it uh, part of our um, personal spirituality. Uh, Athena was also greatly touched by the ceremony, so... Uh, throughout the year, any souls, uh, be they uh, human or um, canine or feline or you know, any one of the other species that uh, we have relationships with, uh, we're going to be uh, you know, bringing their names uh, uh, to that ceremony uh, and having a butterfly released for them.
1: Yes, and it's, it's basically uh, an energy that has touched you personally, one way or the other, that you are taking the moment to celebrate what they have brought to you and to other people and just the energy on this planet.
2: Very true. And uh, one can never have enough uh, spirituality, uh, regardless of our own uh, you know, particular in individual or cultural beliefs. Uh, on uh, what is sacred uh, I think that a universal Spirituality touches us all And that ceremony certainly Tapped into the universal spirituality And um, regardless Of where one was coming from uh, With their beliefs, uh, they were all touched By it, and and you felt A higher power present As, as the ceremony unfolded
1: Oh, most definitely And uh, I think
2: it, now it is In its
1: 19th year Uh, the Quinlan hospice of doing this butterfly release and it started in one location and now it has uh, spanned to three separate locations in Warren County and Sussex County both in New Jersey and then Milford PA which is right across from us it's not far 20 minutes from Sussex County so uh, and I prefer to go to the Milford PA uh, uh, ceremony I just find it so beautiful, which I 'm sure the Sussex County Community College up on a hill, it has to be just as stunning and I 'm unaware of where it is in Warren County, but uh, again, it has to be beautiful because it 's out in nature, you're bringing forth more nature, you 're adding to nature, and you're celebrating loved ones, so it's just stunning and, and Jennifer, who does all of the public relations of special programs. Does an amazing job. It's hard to believe that she improves on this event every year. She adds something wow.
2: new to it. So yeah, I'm, I really to I'm very impressed with them. I'm very impressed with uh, them also. Um, and there are many such things uh, happening in our communities. And yes. uh, you had the vision of uh, sharing those things more often. And uh, as we started doing that and you were doing it and I started doing it more, uh, we both felt overwhelmed at the amount of good things that are going on, positive things, uh, things that demonstrate concern for fellow humans. And uh, when you look at that, rather than looking at all the negative things that uh, are pulling your attention, your life improves because you have more positivity and nothing really drastic changed in the world except where you're focusing your attention. And, you know,
1: Hercules, it gives you a feeling of empowerment in saying that, well, there are people who make a difference, who are, and as Chauncey said before me, I was listening to uh, his broadcast, it was excellent, uh, the whole thing about turning the tide and going the other way, getting that ship and steering it in the other direction. And when there were more people in a storm holding onto that steering wheel, you will find your way out of the storm. You definitely will.
2: Oh, you most certainly will. And uh, he uh, brought up uh, um, uh, earlier in the show that uh, if instead of, you know, basically listen to political talking points, that we as people uh, made an agenda, you know, that reflected how we would like to live, you know, the ideal life we'd like to live, like the Elysium Project in <laughs> the name of the show. But most the ideal life we and- like to live. Go ahead.
1: Sure, and it comes back to the same thing. I mean, even if you don't believe in a, a higher God, a higher source, the golden rule, do not do unto others as you would want done to you. You know, instead of looking inward, look outward. And if you can't look outward, try to be empathetic and, 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 and put yourself in the other person's shoes. Uh, and that usually... Works And it goes back to, as I've said often here, to our listeners, there is something called the Code of Conduct and the Code of Ethics, which is supposedly supposed to be enforced on every level to ensure that politicians do these things on that level, that they don't steer away from this. Uh, There has to be accountability. And again people have to say, well, why isn't it done on that level? Why is there an exception to the rule? If it's being done on a local level, why is it, as you keep going up the rungs of the ladder, it seems to get further and further away, and all these little stipulations where it doesn't matter. Uh, and and, and that's, that's where we have to start saying, no, well, it does matter. And we have to start having people be accountable on all levels. Not just the county level, not just within the family community, all levels. And once you start doing that, I think I think that you'll start to see major change. But people will get away with as much as they can if they're not held to those
2: codes. Uh, Very true. I'm I'm, I brought this up uh, many times, but I'm blessed to be uh, where I am in TenaFly. um, Most definitely. Yes, uh, most certainly so. And uh, today I attended an event at the Jewish Community Center. Uh, and it was uh, an event uh, that was uh, held by the uh, JCC and also by the um, Alzheimer's Foundation. And ah. uh, they were trying to get June recognized as Brain Health Month. Uh, so, oh, how great. we have Valerie Huddle, uh, who's our assemblywoman, and we have Peter Rustin, who's our mayor. And they took action on this, and uh, uh, Valerie had it declared in her district, and uh, Peter had it declared here in uh, Tenafly. So now there's a focus on uh, mental health awareness, and Valerie shared that in New Jersey, there's now legislation that is supportive of caregivers. So if you're taking care of somebody. Who has dementia or Alzheimer's? Uh, there are all sorts of protections and uh, uh, and benefits that weren't there before, and that is a very positive thing.
1: Definitely, definitely, and and this is a perfect lead-in because I wanted to discuss something called the Memory Cafe, which is hosted by the Joseph T. Quinlan Bereavement Center. So you can see the Quinlan Hospice has extended itself tremendously. They not only are helping families dealing with um family members at the at the end stage of life, uh they have a training sessions for volunteers, they have grief counseling, you know, for children, they have grief counseling for adults and they have something called this memory cafe. And um I think it's pretty much I don't know if it's done now or what but we could always look into this but uh, I saw something about it, and it says, Join us each month for coffee, well, I guess it's not done, and conversations specifically geared for people with dementia and for their caregivers. And it's the fourth Thursday of the month, and it's held at mm-hmm. the Bereavement Center on 5 Plains Road, Augusta, New Jersey. I will give you that information later. But it okay. was started originally in England, and it was an informal setting, and it provided the caregiver a forum for discussion. And they helped people in terms of practical tips for coping with dementia, avoiding caregiver burnout, information on community resources. There we go again. No cost, no obligation. And they have um, other supports outside that memory cafe. And I will send you that info later. But this Thank is you. something that's very much needed. As we was talking about Alzheimer's, and, and all of us know someone. Who are either directly affected by this, as you well know,
5: and yes, or
1: have friends or relatives that have gone through this and see the toll it takes, and you have to have a support system and uh, resources. You
2: definitely have to have well, the resources. Well, most certainly. They um, they uh, they identified the color purple. As the color for brain health, so uh, I've uh, tried to incorporate that as much as possible into my life. Uh, I even got a purple shirt, <laughs> and now I'm going to have oh, wow. <laughs> uh, more well t-shirt, uh, but I'm going to have more purple things uh, to wear in support of this. And I've also added brain health. Uh, I'm going to incorporate optimal wellness physically with my exercise routines. I'll now be including uh, uh, what am I doing to keep my mind. Uh, um, exercised and fresh uh, uh, every day. That's great. And we, yeah, because yes, all just, of
1: the, the studies on Alzheimer's talks about as we age, we need to keep physically after uh, active and not be sitting at the couch and watching everything that we remember as children or young adults. You know, on the uh, on YouTube and all these shows and black and white and whatever. Fine, but limit it and and do things. Like reading books, going out for walk, volunteering, definitely physical activities to keep that blood pumping, but um, so it 's good to see there are more options and more ways of looking at things. You and I have discussed the situation of, of caring for relatives that have these these horrific um, situations, and it, imp- it it impedes on everyone 's life that 's involved, not just that person. And as we see the graying of America, because we have the baby boomers and then the generation before us, the baby boomers, the numbers Mm -hmm. are unbelievable, staggering. And more and more people, will, as life expectancy increases, well, let's hope so, because we see the health care situation and now with pre-authorization for this and that, you know, you have to have worries about that. But there has to be a move away from these nursing homes that charge eight to ten thousand a month, excuse me, or, or or so you have to turn over all your assets, or go on Medicaid if you have nothing. And it's it's a frightening thing because financially, people have saved for their their supposed golden years, and everything gets wiped out. And after that point, we're even wondering if you're getting the necessary care.
2: That, that's very true, and it is uh, very frightening, and uh, um, the uh, graying of our population uh, is changing the the cycles and the rhythms that uh, have uh, been in our culture, so a lot of our cultural institutions and uh, the way we live our life are being challenged as well, so uh, it's asking for change, uh, and we're in a position now where we could understand both uh, perspectives, <laughs> so that's uh, an right. interesting <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so it's and, nice uh, to
1: see that, uh, you know, that Karen Ann Quinlan Hospice is, you know, expanding itself into all different directions as a resource for mm-hmm. others. Um, how I got involved with them, it's really interesting. I drove by their uh, one center in Newton, and it's on a main road, and, and I saw a sign for um, a paper shredding event, and I thought to myself wow, what a fantastic way to get this done. It's a minimal fee, and the thing is, it is benefiting a great organization. So I go every time they have the paper shredding, and with the warmer months, they have it every month. And in the winter months, they they shut it down because, I mean, really, they have to have the truck come there. People are volunteering their time to collect Mm -hmm. the money, to also have information, to open the center, so uh, basically it starts, I think, in um, – it started in April this year, and then they did May, and now it will be again in um, – in jo- they did it in yeah in May. So now it will be in July and September. It's every other month, so it's July, September, and then I think it stops again – no, in November, and then it stops until next year. So uh, if you want to um, get rid of some <laughs> – paper documents and baggage that, oh, my gosh, with the mail. Uh, it's frightening how much information you have on paper. And it's best to get rid of it. And to do it to help them, I think, is wonderful.
2: Yes, that that is uh, wonderful. And uh, I believe they have something similar here in uh, Tenafly. Um, and uh, I haven't seen a notice for it uh, recently, so it might be, as you say, seasonal.
1: Right, right, and I and think it's $6 a giant bag, I mean, really. And, um, again, you go there, and they open the doors to you. They have information about all kinds of programs as you go there in the main office. And I don't want to go too much into detail because I really would like to have Jennifer as a guest and have okay. her talk about how, how the Quinlan, I like to call it the Quinlan Institute, even though its, it's actual name is uh, Karen Ann Quinlan Hospice. Because they have expanded in so many ways. They really have.
2: I'm looking them up as we, as we speak.
1: Yes, uh, their site is org. And they are on 99 Sparta Avenue in Newton. You can sign up for email updates. You can see the actual events they have. And they have online registrations.
2: Yes, they do. It's a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty comprehensive and easy to use site. So I'll I'll list that in with uh, today's episode. Wonderful.
1: And as we're talking about Sussex County, before we go into a little interesting tidbit about the plastics, I wanted to talk about something that hit the news. it It occurred in Sussex County, it's being very quietly talked about. And it is that there is a new, rare, but de- deadly tick borne disease, and it has shown its face in Sussex County.
2: Which disease is this?
1: It is not Lyme. It is carried by three different types of ticks. In New Jersey, it will be the deer tick, obviously, and another tick called the woodchuck tick. I didn't know they had them. And um, it is basically the symptoms can be non-existent you do not get a bullseye a rash and um you have to you either don't get symptoms or you will get horrific symptoms and this thing is called the, i think it's called the um let me look at the name here because i have a tough time with this name it was started in 1958 was discovered in ontario canada it is the powassan tick disease it's a virus There is no vaccine, there is no medicine that can be used for it. And some of the symptoms, I'm looking, I'm scrolling down here to look. It says here many people infected with the Powassan virus do not develop symptoms. But if you do, these are the things that you will get. You can get some of these or all of them, fever, headache, vomiting, weakness, confusion, loss of coordination, trouble speaking, memory loss, swelling of the membranes around the brain and the spinal cord, which is meningitis, and swelling of the brain, which is encephalitis, and then, uh, of course, breathing issues where you have to um, go to the hospital and they have to try and keep you breathing and and stop the inflammation that's um, impeding your breathing. So here we go. I mean, what, what do they say to you? That, and they will not admit that this man's death occurred from this. They say, you know, it could be. I think they're they're trying to have people not panic. But uh, the point of it is, there were 114 cases in the United States with this from 2008 to 2017. Only seven in New Jersey.
2: Only okay. seven in New
1: Jersey. The two cases just recently, within two months, were in Sussex County, and uh, so now they they are confirming that these two cases were there. It's the Sussex County Division of Health, and they say it is. I love this word, potentially, potentially life-threatening infection, and the tick must be attached. It can't just be um, taking a little walk on the wild side on your skin. It has to actually be attached. There is no vaccine, no medicine. And, um, of course, what they always say is, and I love this, avoid walking in wooded areas. Well, if you live in such a county, that's kind of hard to do, (laughs) you know. So, um, of course, wear the long pants, you know, all these these different things they talk about. You know, you could do this, you could do that. But uh, now there is this whole big thing about, suntan lotion, and bug spray, all these different chemicals, yes, they prevent one thing, but in using them, are you laying yourself open to causing a problem that with chemicals entering the large, largest organ that you have, which is your skin, and having it come in to your cells? So that's when you start looking at, at natural ways to do things. And you know I'm a proponent of the young living oils, you know, because uh, they're yeah. 100% essential oil. You can make your own type of, of repellent, insect repellent. There are specific oils for ticks and mosquitoes, because I swell up from the mosquitoes, you know, it's horrific. Uh, for mosquitoes, yeah, you can use citronella. Peppermint, lemon eucalyptus, it's a combination, it's a really great oil, basil, lemongrass, and lavender. Mosquitoes can't stand the smells of those oils, and I'll send that along to you in an email. What you have to remember is that when you're using these oils, these are 100% oils. So you should mix it with the carrier oil if you're making a spray, or mix it with water and spray yourself. Um, if you're going to want to use a heavier dosage of it, and you, know, you want to spray it on your clothes or your shoes, well, then you don't really have to cut it. But you can mix it with a um, carrier oil, and carrier oils would be oils like avocado oil, coconut oil, grapeseed oil. Um, there's so many different kinds of oils you can use. You can also use it in a lotion. You can put it in aloe vera, or coconut oils, Um, you do have to think about in terms of how powerful these oils are. Because if you're going to be using eucalyptus, you have to be very careful around animals. So with your pets, you have to be careful. Uh, Young children, I would not be using the eucalyptus, no. You can use lavender and peppermint. Those And lemongrass, they're safer oils for young children, particularly lavender. Um, And, again, there's a scent that a mosquito cannot handle. Uh, The ticks, there are specific oils like juniper, rose geranium, thyme, oregano, grapefruit, and cedarwood. Again, you can use lavender and lemongrass and citronella and lemon eucalyptus. For the ticks as well, because they abhor the scent. They just cannot stand that, those scents. Uh, you can use tea tree oil. You have to use it very sparingly when you do get a bite from a mosquito. Or um, I would even use it on the tick. You know, again, cut it with the carrier oil. And lavender is excellent for any kind of, of bites or um, burns even where you put it on, and it will, it will promote healing.
2: Wow, I, I wasn't aware that there's that many oils that uh, can do that. And when I grew up, yeah. eucalyptus was given to us uh, pretty uh, often. Um It's it called a saluco in, in Greek, and uh, there's uh, like a eucalyptus tea, and then there's all these eucalyptus, uh, like Vicks, I think, had eucalyptus in it too. Uh, And Vicks was like a cure-all for any type of respiratory uh, problem.
1: Wow. Oh, yes, eucalyptus. It's amazing. You know, even the the RC oil, the Raven oil, um, just breathing it, inhaling it from the bottle, the aromatherapy. It was how I got rid of um, constant sinus infections and um, the um, bronchitis because it keeps the... uh, passages from swelling and getting inflamed.
2: I have to experiment with that more, and you teach a class on that, uh, so uh, you're very knowledgeable on that. Uh, Cap Young, who is one of our other hosts, she had written a book on it uh, that was published by Llewellyn, and I experimented with the essential oils uh, for a little while, and uh, I didn't explore as thoroughly as uh, I would have liked. What I found the use was for me is in recalling states of mind uh, through memories. So certain smells were associated with certain things, and then by bringing my mind uh, to the associations, I was able to get in a more healing uh, state of mind, and that helped uh, um, speed along the process of uh, becoming better.
1: Exactly. And and from there, we have a few minutes. I really want to talk about the single-use plastics because – we're talking about, it's not just us, it's all over, you're starting to see people really explore it and and raise their voices, whether it be on the internet, you know, with all these different um, um, organizations, there's so many great organizations um, that will basically get people to... Uh, to contact their congressmen and, and um, petitions, and it's made a difference. Those voices make a difference. But Canada is joining the global effort, and they're banning single-use plastics. Oh. And, um, yeah, they are. They said he wants his children to be able to swim or sit on the beach without having their memories interrupted by dead birds or fish uh, that are just going by the wayside because of pollution. And he said, people have had enough of the plastics damaging. And can you imagine that his parents were at the point when we have to take our kids to the beach and we have to search out a patch of sand that isn't littered with straws, styrofoam, or bottles. So, you know, kudos to you, Trudeau. (laughs)
2: and hopefully we can gain that wisdom in this country, Uh, they're finally starting to do things about balloons, which most people don't realize are an environmental and ecological menace um, because they're balloons. (laughs) What would a party be without balloons? Uh, But uh, they cause a lot of damage to electric lines, to animals, uh, uh, to machinery. Uh, So hopefully we'll start uh, – growing past our addiction to plastics, which, as you pointed out in previous shows, was originally done for the best of reasons, you know, and they were environmentally sound at the time. But now there's so much plastic out there that doesn't dissolve or is dissolving and becoming part of the food chain. Uh, So I I really want to thank you for increasing our awareness about that. And I'm looking forward to learning even more. Um, Right. And uh, And I I love the fact that
1: you got into statistics saying that Canada threw away $8 billion Canadian dollars worth of plastic material each year wow. and that the environmental agency said that more than 34 million plastic bags are used each day which is unbelievable and he said that the, the country could reduce pollution, create 42,000 jobs and protect the environment and his, their, their first goal is to ban, um, ban the single use plastics And get rid of uh, 10 different single-use plastics. So straws, plastic cutlery, plastic plates, cotton swab sticks where they have the plastic ones. And uh, so there you go. And um, they were talking about how how England started this way back in 2015. They introduced a five-pence charge for plastic bags for most of the groceries, and um, they said there was this whole thing about bag rage by angry shoppers, (laughs) but I love it, but this is interesting, Um, the bags were made with sayings on them that were so embarrassing, the logos, things like, into the weird adult video emporium, or Dr. Toe's war ointment wholesale, or the colon care (laughs) co-op, oh God, so here they found a way to discourage people to pay the five pence, And, you know, there they don't, they don't use GMOs. England will not buy food from us. They, so, you know, they basically were able to get into this much easier than the United States in the sense that they will do their shopping more often in order to have, on the way home from work, and in order to have fresh organic products, things that are not sprayed to death or GMO'd.
2: Amen to that. There you go. And uh, we're approaching the end of our time, so I'm going to play a, uh, a quick song. Thank you so very much for another informative and heart-filled uh, uh, 40 minutes of useful and positive uh, information. I'm looking forward to hearing your uh, conversation with Bill on immigration um, so yeah, so this is going to start with a wide scope and then narrow down. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a plan. Or you could start local and go global. Whatever you guys decide to do is fine with me. Uh, I'm looking forward to learning. And again, thank you so very much, Esther. You're welcome.
1: And let's get this in.
2: Happy Father's
1: Day this coming weekend to you and to all our listeners for playing the role of. Uh, it's not playing; it's hard work. But performing the role of being the male figure within who nurtures—it doesn't have to be someone who's given birth. It has to be someone you know that has provided the birthing, someone who is there to guide others as we grow. So you Thank know you're still doing it, even with all of us. Thank you, Hercules. Yes.
2: And uh, uh, what do you call it? And and happy Father's Day to all the fathers or people playing the father's role in your life as well. Uh, Thanks again, Astrid. You rock.
1: Thank you for all you do. Mm.
2: Welcome back to the Elysium Project I'm Hercules Invictus And tonight we are focusing on the path of public service Our final show, "I of Northern New Jersey Is hosted by Bill Waitman And his guest is Astrid The topic will be immigration And I'm very fortunate because both Bill and Astrid Are my mentors on the political path And uh, I really... Um, Humbled to have them both uh, speaking. I will be engineering and learning as they speak. Greetings and welcome, folks.
1: Greetings. Hi, Bill. Greetings. It's been a while.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was off doing some things, but I'm Oh, here. no, I uh, mean,
1: I enjoy being on with you as a guest. Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, it's, it, 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 I think this issue, uh, when we get into it, Involves really local issues and what has to be done. I mean, um, uh, unfortunately, I know uh, Strader, uh, the, the sheriff. I knew him before he was a sheriff. I knew him from Mount Ollam Townships because um, I used to attend meetings with uh, Northwest Gap. I was on the board of Northwest Gap and I was on the board of uh, the Workforce Investment Board for the area. And the uh, mm. act in this last election by a freeholder that I, I thought was a decent guy. And him were deplorable. And we need to start getting candidates on the ballot in the Democratic Party. There should never be no candidates on a freeholder slot. There should be no write-ins at the last minute or or appointments because it's a waste of effort. You need people to get their petitions out. I would have ran this year. I was even going to run as an independent. Uh, But this would have been a year to run. And uh, I know we have two assembly candidates. Uh, I, I was told by one political boss I was too old, but I don't think I'm much older than him. And, um, and I oh, have a this, lot. Is
1: this like the analogy to uh, Trump calling Biden, you know, too old and not healthy?
0: <laughs> yeah, I but mean, they're. Uh, it's know, amazing. I'm, I'm not- I'm not as old as those two. no, uh, I have to tell you, my my uncle, think.
1: my uncle John worked till he was 92, and said, uh, mm-hmm. I think that they made him stop at 90. And uh, he said, I don't care if you find me anything to do at this point. I mean, working down at Wall Street, and then finally it was things like hat checks and coat checks. But the point is, he got up every morning, he had a goal, and he went there, conversed with people, socialized, mm-hmm. took the train, and so, get back to, to Brooklyn. And unfortunately, after he left, he did pass away because it's a reason for living. You know, That's age right. does not matter. It's what you're doing at that age. There are some young people well, that are ancient because they are not expanding themselves as people.
0: I agree on both fronts with the young people and the old. I had a position in Sussex County. I was placed there after a house fire by a Republican state senator named Littell. Mm, uh, Yes,
1: I remember him.
0: In the 12 years that I was there, I won five Chamber of Commerce awards, and I won the Rotary twice. Plus, I was on the board of every major uh, social organization in seven counties. Um, And uh, then it came a guy named uh, Assembly. He was uh, Commissioner of Labor, Hal Wertz. I knew his father. I used to be one of the people brought to debate at his house, which was Uppsala University in Sussex County. And yes. um, Hal was always uh, jealous, and um, I did a lot for Hal Works. I wrote uh, press releases and uh, everything. I did job fairs. I drew a, uh, drew hundreds of people, uh, had 80 companies at a time in the middle of a recession. And uh, Hal was just one Insecure idiot And now he's in the assembly And uh, I got it My friend is the surrogate in Sussex County I grew up with him But we kind of over Over politics we got a little bit upset With each other Hal has had four pension positions I posted that On Facebook He also was on the board of a for profit bank While commissioner of labor That's a violation of ethics
1: Here we go uh, Code of conduct, code of ethics
0: Right, and it, nobody. Uh, Gisano asked me that. I I had to apologize to Howard. so I'm not going to apologize to him. He's I, his father, a stepfather. He was adopted like at 35 or something, uh, with a gun issue in Sparta. But uh, he made life miserable for me for a few months. I put up a lawyer. And then I hired, I hired a Sussex County lawyer. I left with my pension and uh, with a uh, with praise, whatever you call it. Because I did a lot of projects. I help set up sure, accolades
1: seller. accolades bill
0: <laughs> yeah and i dealt with um he made life miserable for a year my wife said at the chance i belong to the chamber of commerce as i said for 12 years and uh, i paid out of my own pocket uh the state always complained but i said that's where the jobs are Willie sutton ran rob banks because he knew where the money was in the 20s and the 30s um and it worked out really well. I mean, I got a lot of my uh, companies out of there and across uh, the state. I did radio programs with Christian radio, uh, all kinds of radio stations, the radio stations in Sussex. Uh my daughter did radio in New York. I got on her stations. Um so it uh, it, it the, the little Sussex County outshined the rest of the state. But things like what happens with um with the freeholder board, uh, the mm. county uh, – matter of fact, i got to tell you, the county lawyer is a creep. He was my lawyer. I had to rent and get another lawyer, and he was bad news. Uh, and uh, I thought I was getting the best firm, but it's just a sellout firm. But uh, what he did, and I'm talking about Strata, uh, I, like I said, I've known him for years. I was involved with the, the sheriff before him Untig and Projects. I did a national study of uh, sheriffs, uh, sheriff officers. You're not the sheriff, but they're they're the people under him. I don't think you can send people to another county if they're arrested. I don't think that's fair. I don't know if you know this, but uh, uh, jails and prisons, they charge $5 a a minute or more fees for an inmate to call his family. And I don't think that's right either. I think that's it should be some reform and that, but switching ice people uh, and, and the nonsense with the ballot is ridiculous. That they're going to argue with the state attorney general. Uh, that's why I really wanted you on here. Uh, I think the Democratic Party needs to start putting up candidates for sheriff, for surrogate, uh, get qualified people. The salaries are great, and uh, you know many of them don't come out of the ranks anyway. And the problem here was there was a sheriff, but he was running as a, against uh, Strader as a Republican. He only got 300, uh, 400 votes. I never agree with the Herald all the time, but I agree on him that there has to be reasons for people to come out and vote. And uh, yes, you know, we're not yes. doing it the Democratic Party. I mean, there's no reason to have a. Uh, I, I, I knew one of the people that wanted a write in vote uh, for Freeholder. That's not the way to do it. You can do that at a democratic meeting. Get your petition. Go around. You have, I think, you need 125, 140 votes. Go there, then walk in front of some stores and fill out a ballot the right way. Last year was the same thing. Uh, write-in ballots. You can't do write-in ballots. You need to have recognition before the race. But anyway, I, I mean, I'm looking at the statistics. I got to tell you, as far as uh, as far as immigration. I played two roles in state government. I, uh, I had to implement a, a law that covered the same uh, – uh, that required immigrants to be offered different kinds of work besides working on the farms. And uh, right. it was called the Judge, Judge Ritchie decision. I was the first one to go down. It was July 4th. I don't know what year it was. It was greatly symbolic. Uh, I brought my wife, who she could translate. And uh, I ran into a lot of trouble because the guys driving the uh, immigrants, they wanted no part of me talking. But I forced my way into the Cranberry uh, Pits, and I had done work with uh, um, the Cranberry Company, uh, the drain company uh, up in Massachusetts and in New Jersey. But uh, it was very interesting to see. Um, Implementing a law is very difficult, you know, under those those circumstances because immigrants are coming in from – well, Puerto Rico is actually part of the United States, but they're coming in from different countries, Mexico among them. And yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard job. They live on uh, some of the uh, housing, at least then was terrible. I don't know of any housing in Sussex County, but when I was, uh, I was a one-stop administrator for Warren and Sussex County for the uh, New Jersey department of labor. The rest of my time I worked for the U S department of labor working with industry Um but what I see happening, uh, there wasn't much housing. They came. They became gay workers or whatever. Uh, some of them moved up to owning restaurants. You might see that in Newton. Uh, there's no doubt yes, that yes. this is, you know, there's some, some, good store, some good restaurants in Newton too now. But Sussex this, this, this County doesn't have an immigrant problem. It was so ridiculous, definitely
1: not, and and I'm trying to understand like what all this is going on in terms of um, questions about whether or not the sheriff, according to the state constitution, is obliged to follow law enforcement directive that conflicts with federal law. I mean, how many people are we talking about here again it's talking about fear factor and and mm-hmm. um it it just blows my mind when they do this and it sounds very much like um um the policies that are used in Japan because Japan has very stringent immigration laws i mean stringent because Amen. they uh, basically want to keep it you know culturally you know, um, basically just the Japanese culture. They don't want it diffused. And so it's always been that way, and and they're also now bearing the effects of this this, uh, intense immigration uh, law that they have by the fact that that it's aging. The population is aging, and they need workers now in Japan, and they're sending, they have different programs to send for people to actually, even my nephew teaches there you know, on a program, um, so, I mean, there are, in one way, it's this, this fear of losing people's culture, and I, I saw in Europe, Bill, when I traveled in Europe, started traveling, uh, when I finished college in, in the um, 70s, Europeans would say, well, what's the problem with America? Well, why are there so many issues and and." Intentions and, and and I remember saying to them back then, you have no idea what, how America is totally interwoven with different cultures, different religions, and like a nice tapestry, people have to learn the, how to work with the tension of the particular fabric. You know, you you in Europe, your countries are like states in terms of size. And I said, you do not deal in Europe with what we have in the United States. And when you do have massive immigration and such a mixture of different cultures, then you will understand. And now, Bill, it's coming to pass that there are, there are a lot of issues. It's not just the United States oh. that has this, this conflict back and forth of doing things one way or the other way. You see it with Brexit. You see Scandinavia, which is a very Amen. liberal society, having problems now because they are not used to a very different culture. And it's called people have to give and take on both sides. Well, you're right. And Sweden in particular, I mean, yes. it's probably was the greatest
0: host to, to foreigners of any nation in Europe. Yes. And yes. they're now back. I mean, they're not having the trouble, say, that other countries are having but the, right. the frustration and the arguing is increasing in a very, very liberal society. And that's, yes, you know, here's a funny thing. Uh, in, in Japan, there is a group called the Ainu's. i I hope I'm pronouncing them right. They're considered Caucasians, but they live like Aborigines, you know, and they're, uh, you, Japan's always been trying to deal with that, that factor. Um, it, it, it is a give and take. There's some, you know, we have, at last counting, was sixty million refugees in the world. I think it's probably up to seventy, eighty million refugees, accounting Syria, um, and there's no place oh. to, for them to go. I mean, I would know, say
1: exactly, Bill. A majority of people think, again, not understanding the facts or the data, they think that when we're talking about immigration, it's all Mexican people. First of mm-hmm. all, from Uh, Mexico has had the issue with their border because of South America. You've got that triad of three countries that are in such horrific situations. You know, San Salvador, Guatemala, you know, the Honduras. We start looking at these countries where people have no idea because they don't – they're too far removed from it. You don't have visuals, as you know, unless you're watching the BBC – news you don't have visuals that stopped in this country when Vietnam when they were showing the horrors and the atrocities there they stopped showing visuals and if people would see BBC news and see what it's like in Syria it is horrific what these people are living the conditions that they're living in and the same with those that that area of South America uh, Central America, South America, that whole area there, it, its they're going through Mexico, coming through Mexico, coming here. They are sending their children in terms of asylum because they were considered countries that needed asylum because of the severe gang situation, corruption, and people just being slaughtered, out and out slaughtered.
0: Well, you know, um, I could tell you from experience, my wife taught in Newark. And Mm -hmm. Newark had to know that many of those kids were headed for to Newark to find aunts, uncles, or whatever, because their families drove them to the border, and uh, you know, to pursue a better life. They did academically; they did very well. And some of them today are probably the DACA students. uh, uh, That that hasn't been settled. What to do with them? That
1: constantly,
0: yes, they're in
1: limbo. They're in limbo.
0: I, you know. there's so many areas, and, and I I, I, should tell, I should tell you that I get people from the strangest countries, Morocco, they'll ask me on Facebook. And actually, one of the bad things is the telephone line on Facebook because they get calls. I've had women call me from Morocco, ask me how they can get their brother in the United States. There's no way unless you go. The best way to go is go to Canada. They only have 30 million people. right. And they have, right. like you said before, I heard your program, uh, Trudeau is far different than many people. Now, up to yes. a point, Canada can take people in. Uh, but we blame, you know, we blame the Mexicans. But most of the terrorists just simply walked across the border. Uh, I mean, right. I shouldn't shouldn't tell you this because this is funny. But I was recruited to settle a dispute a dispute between French lumberjacks and Maine lumberjacks, who were locked the head of a company up for a couple of days. Uh, because the, you know, in that case, the French are actually invading us and then going back home. I I don't know, you know, I don't have any answers. I uh, I, I think I do. Watch Como at all on that, that any of the uh, yes. shows? Yes, yes, yes. I would like to see the kids have a better treatment. I wouldn't have separated them from their
1: parents. I I
0: think that's horrific. Uh, Well, now that they're
1: they're changing the funds again, I mean, if you read the one article in the Times, first of all, the hospitals there and everything, they're they're treated like felons. You know, there's not only the separation, there's no even, you know, with the numbers, they're, they're starting a system without analyzing sequential plan. And we're just going to do this. All right, well, fine. Now, do you know who who belongs to whom? And do you have any kind of recording system? No, that's the first problem. And um, now, I mean, you know, you see things that overcrowding and um, shackling patients to beds, not permitting them to use restrooms, pressuring doctors to discharge them, certifying that they can be held in overcrowded detention facilities, Uh, Now, again, they're not having follow-up care for long-term detainees. They're uh, not informing family members about critically ill people. Uh, It's frightening, these different things. And, again, funds are going to change so that, you know, children are not going to be um, taken care of properly. And the, the people that are on these committees in Washington saying, uh, well, I want to go and look and see for myself. I don't want to read a report. I want to go see what's going on, and then they're being refused. They're being well, refused. I, um, I looked
0: up some statistics. Uh, first of all, on criminality, Trump is exaggerating a lot. I mean, there was a Manhattan Project, which sounds like a nuclear project a, a long time ago. But the immigrants uh, – actually, violent crime is down in some 158 metropolitan areas. And uh, uh, and the immigrant population tends to be lower than the, the rest of that uh, compared right. to Native Americans. So, I mean, where he's labeling people, he's creating a lot of – down here – you can sense it. You know, you can sense uh, 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 there's everything going on in Florida. First of all, we got a crooked governor, and we have a, a bad uh, U, uh, U.S. senator. You know, yes. I got sick down here because the beach has got red tide. You guys were talking about infection. Oh, the everywhere. algae, yeah. I went to the beach. I went two or three times, and my daughter came down, and, uh, you know, uh, all of a sudden, we... My wife and I, we were sick, uh, and there, uh, you know, that goes back to pollution. Some cities empty their waste in the ocean, which I think is is silly. By the way, there are a lot of. I heard you talking about plastic straws and things like that. Uh, the state of Florida is is eliminating uh, plastics like that, one use plastics, and they are uh, pushing ahead with some other programs. Actually, today uh, they looked at uh, the New York Times. I think looked at. Grocery stores. One I don't think is in New Jersey. It's called Gandhi, and it's terrible uh, on its uh, on its sales. And there's some kind of humorous thing between a, a sneaker company how they've made a sneaker with
1: uh, plastic uh, waste. Uh, it's a big company. Yeah, I can't think it's of interesting though thing. because maybe a few months ago I got into the history of plastics in a timeline. And talked about its origin and how it was being used for one thing. And then I got into the whole thing after the war, post-war, you know, the 40s, the 50s, and women going to work. Mm
5: -hmm. And how it was
1: supposed to make life better. And then comes the propaganda. Because the money, the monetary situation was, and I'll just do a quick recap this and put it in a matter of one sentence. uh, Money. Because corporations found that plastic was cheaper than paper. And that's remember mm-hmm. that day when they stopped using paper bags. Thank God Trader Joe still uses them and uh, I, 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 that was my garbage bags. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, and and people said, well, life in the United States is crazed, we're always rushing around, we're commuters, we work, we're dr- you know, here, there, and everywhere, you know, the amount of, and I always laugh, Bill, when I read about the average ride for people is 45 minutes, well, try living in Sussex County, try an hour and a half to two hours one way, um, you know, so, they, they you know, one shop stopping, and You know, that type of thing, you stop and you shop there and you load up for the week and henceforth the plastic bags and GMO food, hello, Uh, something that doesn't happen in Europe, doesn't
0: No, it doesn't happen in Europe. And, you know, I I really believe that that commute, which is the longest in the state, is is the cause of a lot of problems in Sussex County, drugs uh everything because you uh, I even met a guy I should tell you this I met a guy that commuted to you know, he made big salary to Rhode Island every day and I, he had had the longest he caught a plane someplace and he flew up every day and then he was unemployed so I I had him come in and he would tell me what he he did there's all kinds of ways you know people go down as far as Morris or Bergen County looking for a decent job right well, and a lot I still,
1: go. I still go to the city and then they rely on the buses and that's Transportation because to drive is cost prohibitive into the city now. Uh,
0: it, uh, oh yeah, uh, with the uh, what do you call it? Congestion, uh, yes. parking. I, I, uh, I taught a course a few weeks, a few months ago actually, uh, at the Brennan Law School, which is in New York, and um, I came out and I was stuck in a freak snowstorm. It wasn't really winter yet. And New York was not prepared for it. And to get home took me hours, you know. Um, and I also went to a seminar there that day, so that didn't help either. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of problems, and I think a lot of this, some, even some of immigration, you know, the, the criminality rate for immigrants is lower, by and large. Much lower, much lower. And and the estimates for unauthorized uh, immigrants in the U.S. is $11.4 million. Uh, which I don't know if that's how accurate that is anyway because many of them are not counted um, mm. some, I, I don't know I, I wish we would put some level of decency in what we do You know? uh, Well,
1: I thought about the, the greater picture of things because we always look for ways we could make things better um, and a lot of these problems stem from governments not dealing with the situations and we talked about accountability code of conduct, code of Ethics and, uh, you know, Chauncey is talking about it prior to my being on the blog. And um, this whole issue of corruption in these, these areas, I mean, I was reading in the time, of, you know, that a lot of people go into Brussels because it's a lot easier to get, as- uh, they don't use asylum. It's just easy to get in there without a visa. But, um, you know, again, like I said, it's some Mexican families, but you start looking at the makeup. Of these people that are seeking asylum. And um, it's that area in Central America. And I mean, San Salvador is so horrific because they said the gang members are extorting money, they kill merchants. They get kids as young as 8, 9 years old to, to do the drugs and do this and that. They just litter people. It's, it's running wild. The criminals, uh, it's not too far from the criminal system in our prisons in the sense that the criminals are running the show, the hardened criminals. And these countries, their governments have to be held accountable for what's going on there. These countries, just like with Mexico, I'm sure you know the corruption there. I remember when yes. I had gone there for a, a trip. I mean, they tell you, don't go outside of the area where you are yeah. because the banditos are unbelievable. They'll stop tourist bus, yes. raw people. And the biggest touring area, too, no less. Uh, yes.
0: I know a, a Mexican president. I had a pleasure of meeting Vicente Fox. Uh, this okay,
1: yeah.
0: It's is a lot different than Vicente Fox because he lost three times. And uh, he's the mayor of Mexico. So he's turning his attention to the south, where the immigrants are coming in. Uh, they did put up
1: 6,000 uh, national guard
0: soldiers. what they have out. to do.
1: But they also have to deal with their own corruption. You know, the, the, the police force, it's, it's just the extortion there is mind-blowing. Uh, and I had heard about it. And then, I mean, I, I can understand the language. And we were going to the airport. And I'm talking many years ago. I'm um, talking a good 25 years ago, um, maybe 20 to 25, where the poor taxi driver was pulled over by the policeman and he was just terrorizing him and asking him for his papers and this and that. And then I said to him in Spanish, Is he looking for money from you? And he very quietly oh, looked at me and I said, Would it help? Will he not revoke your license or take your taxi cab away if we give give him each give him like ten bucks? And that's what we had to do. And he was not in on it because this man was sitting there sweating. You could just fear feel the fear in this poor man. So he basically paid the taxi driver um, money to give to the policeman so he can use his cab. But very Find often, holes. like yes, very often. Some of the cab drivers are tied to certain policemen. Yes. yes. And there uh, are extortion rings going on. This has been for years. It's a well known thing. So, I mean, I think at a certain point, even last year or this year, they would even started saying, think twice about going to Mexico because of all the you problems. Yeah, be careful. I, I mean, I would go to
0: Mexico City probably. Um, I have a relative that owns uh, what's give me the tor- big tourist uh pl- place beach um oh god he he has some kind of uh uh you know traveling to the, to that area I can't think okay. of the name of it, but it, yeah I've heard that if you go outside the uh the resort area you're in danger you know
1: that it's it's Most a Most definitely comment. You know, they stopped the buses, they stopped the tour groups. I, there was someone in our school system who was murdered. You know, they went there, things they things. took money, ATM cards, give me your ATM card, drive you to the ATM. That's a big one in Mexico. You know, Cancun, those different areas, you go outside yes. the area, cool. be yes, careful. Right. They, even in Mexico City, because I had a dear friend of mine, South American girl, who was a psychologist who went there with her husband, she couldn't wait to come back because of the corruption and the crime in Mexico City. And going crazy. way back, so these are the problems, Bill. You know, these countries have got to be reined in. They have to oh. rein in the crime. Oh, they
0: used and to be, you know, they used to be sent to our military schools, the leaders, and they became yes. dictatorial. And then drugs got involved. I was supposed to go to El Salvador to study. Yeah. As, um, uh, some religion, religious issues. They shot a cardinal uh, in, from the Catholic church in the doorway of the church. Uh, yes. The Pope recently canonized him, And we decided and my wife speaks Spanish. I needed her. Uh, we decided to, to end that trip because it is tough. And all the countries, I mean, I went to Haiti. It's uh, My luggage was ripped and, you know, stolen Um uh, it, it, it's the Dominican Republic, something happened there. Yes. Uh, oh,
1: yeah. You know, yeah. Then it's, well, sorry, El Salvador is the smallest of, of, of that area in Central America, and it's the most densely populated. So, I mean, there are issues that have to be resolved that the government is not dealing with. And I remember reading, oh, it was a while back that people would be running for office in Mexico, you know, a governor or a mayor. And, you know, they're running, and they would just be shot dead. Shot dead because they they were going to rein in the gangs. You know, they're going to rein in the gang issue, and they were killed. You know,
0: the gangs move largely from Mexico downward. And that's when they start hiring the kids, pushing the kids, killing the kids, killing the kids' fathers. And it was the mothers that were started walking those kids up the uh, up the border because right. they feared him. Now he demonized those kids too much, but there many of them are decent kids, and you know that always happens. I mean, he's using of it course as a political you know,
1: generalizations.
0: Way. Yep. Yeah, yeah. he never. I I don't know how low this nation could go because if I, I I I don't know if I should say this on radio, but if we go any further, we are in a dictatorial state. I mean uh, Most you know. definitely,
1: I, I had somewhere along the line I'd read, and this was a truism. They found that there was a GoFundMe page from an organization that was backed by Bannon, and that this GoFundMe page had raised something in the range, uh, raised uh, something in the range of forty thousand dollars to help build, build, buy property for the in, in the areas where they wanted the wall built. Now, what it was doing on his own, you know, because you know how Bannon is. I mean, these are, like, all these different little aspects play into, you know, uh, um, um, the, this the, these policies and the problems. Because it's never just people. It's people that are making money off the situation. Money on building these, I call them holding pens, okay? They're getting the contracts for these holding pens. You have to investigate that. Um, money for... Um, uh, you know the the guards or this or that, and then the law is that ICE is supposed to take care of it. Why are you having people in local government get involved? Because you're talking about that, going back, like, going full circle back to the beginning. How how can you just start doing this? Well, why? Because there are certain officials that will use scare tax tactics and use this to get votes. I mean, I'm going to protect you from out. all these issues. You know.
0: You know, the freeholders in sussex county i, I mean I, I like one or two of them occasionally but the freeholders in sussex county would not win in any other counties they're way no. off the
1: beam i mean right even, and and a lot of it yeah. has to do and i always say this name recognition you know you have to realize that people will vote for certain people because they know the name They see the name, and you're right. If they see people's names on ballots, and they'll say, well, wait a minute. I've heard that name before. Well, maybe this person will do something positive. It's not going to happen overnight, but you have to take the baby steps just for the name recognition. There's a guy
0: guy that has pushed out Republicans, and he's a Republican, doesn't live in Sussex County. He's the real voice behind the Republican Party. His name is William Winkler, Uh, and then he's got Kelly Hart. Doing his work. Uh, She does a lot of the work. I insulted her this week. I didn't mean to. Um, But he, as you know, he he says, you've had enough. And, you know, Republicans have told me, Jonathan Rose, who was a Republican freeholder, um, he was pushed out. This kid that they're bringing up Pisano now, he's going to be on the ballot in in November. He came out of nowhere. He pushed another freeholder out. Uh, the uh, guy used to be a Democrat, um, born, I forget what his name. Uh, and on that, on that
2: note, we have to wrap up because they just informed me we have 90 seconds to go. But wow, to didn't Paul this go their, fast? <laughs> it zoomed by really fast. I, I learned a lot. It raised a lot uh, of uh, questions. Um, and exactly, because
1: you know what? There are always many
2: aspects
1: of other right. situation.
2: Many aspects. And I'm glad now we have a mix of uh, people with a mix of views. uh, So very soon we'll be doing forums where we can look at the issues and and look for where we can find agreement. Uh, Anyway, thank you both so very much. Uh, I'm very fortunate to know you both, and I learned a lot tonight. Yes, thanks so much, Bill. Bill. Thank you, Astrid. And we're going to close off with the Cauldron Born, which is about renewal. And uh, this Get is for Astrid and Bill wishing you joyous journeys and awesome adventures. See you in a couple of weeks. Okay, next week. Oh, I, oh, I did
4: it. Sorry. How the land is bathed In silver hue yeah. You feel so lonely Come with me and let me show There are others just like you Who feel the powers of earth, sea and sky Of the night, hear the call of our ancestors of blood and bone.